morning. It's good to see you, and uh, we welcome all of you who are joining us at home. I want to share two things with you as we get going here this morning. First, I invite you to turn to Psalm chapter 90. We're going to be looking at Psalm chapter 90. And then the second thing I want to share with you is a, a bit of a confession. And uh, I need to tell you that uh, I keep nine of the Ten Commandments. So to Psalm 90, we're going to go there, and we're going to start with that. And, uh, and hopefully you'll have that in front of you. If not, it will be on the screen as well. As it says in the scripture, it says a, a prayer of Moses here, a man of God. So we're going to hear the heart of Moses. He says this starting in verse 1 of chapter 90. Lord, you have been our dwelling place. Throughout all generations, before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turned people back to dust, saying, return to dust, you mortals. A thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. Yet you sweep people away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning. In the morning it springs up new, but by evening it is dry and withered. We are consumed by your anger and terrified by your indignation. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. All of our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a moan. Our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures, yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. If only we knew the power of your anger, your wrath is as great as the fear that is due. Teach us to number our days, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Relent, Lord. How long will it be? Have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, for as many years as we have seen trouble. May your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendor to their children. May the favor of the Lord our God rest on us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Establish the work of our hands. Is that a prayer that I have prayed faithfully or you have prayed faithfully? Establish the work of our hands. Teach us to number our days. Is that a prayer that we have walked in? I want you to imagine a day, and probably you cannot relate to this. You've never been able to relate to this ever in your life, but just imagine this, just a hypothetical, is you may wake up in the morning and you're just groggy. And you realize that you stayed up way too late the night before, and so you know you're going to pay for it this day. So you roll out of bed, and, and you just start moving along. You know you have to get ready. Kids are around, or you have to get ready for work, and you're, you're rushing around the house. And maybe you're grabbing breakfast on the way out the door. You're eating as you drive along or when you get to work. If you have kids, you drop the kids off at work, and you get to a job that you really don't like a whole lot. And in that job, you are just overwhelmed with the amount of work that's ahead of you and the stress that's there. And so you plug along in the day and you, you get to lunch and you're like, I should really take a break, but I'm just going to eat at my desk. I'm just going to eat as I drive. I'm just going to eat as I go. And you know what? Whatever is fatty, fatty and salty, 
the more of that I'm going to ingest into my body because that's just the fix I need right now. And you go back into your work day and you sit indoors and you promise yourself, I'm going to exercise tomorrow. I didn't get up in time today. I'm going to exercise tomorrow. You're working long hours and you get overwhelmed or you get home and, and you get home and you realize just the overwhelming reality of projects that you have at home, bills that you have to pay for things that you bought that you really couldn't afford, but you wanted it. It was going to bring the rest that you needed. You wish you had a friend that you could call, that you could talk to, but you just have not taken the time. Or maybe with kids or grandkids, you're looking saying, I wish I had the energy to invest in them, but the day I just came through, there's no way. So take a drink, take the edge off, sit down, put the kids to bed, whatever it may be. Start looking at social media and just scrolling along, going like, man, everyone else has a perfect life. I wish I could be like them. I wish I could enjoy like they do. So you turn on the TV and you binge watch. You watch till midnight, one o'clock in the morning, and you realize, oh no, I did it again. I'm going to be groggy tomorrow, and I'm going to do it all over again and again and again. Jesus said the reason he came, he said in John 10.10, I came to give life and life to the full. And sometimes we just stop at that front part of, of that, that latter part of that passage there and we just say, okay, well, I'm living life. I'm existing in life. That fullness of life, maybe someday. Or maybe if I get one more thing. Or maybe if I work harder. Because as a good American, I just am going to work and work and work and I'm going to produce and I'm going to gain things and then I'm going to enjoy them. We have this cultural lens of just workaholism. We look around and we're like, everyone else is doing this. They're getting stuff. They're working hard. I need to do the same thing. In the early 1900s, a rabbi named Abraham Joshua Heschel said this. He said, in technical civilization, we expend time, so the minutes of our day, we expend time to gain space. When you think space, think of like things, of material goods, these things that we buy or we create or we're trying to have. So we... We expend time to gain space. To enhance our powers in the world of space is our main objective. Yet to have more does not mean to be more. So I want you to hear that things, space, as he talks about here, they're not bad. God created things, people, beings. And he gave us the ability to create as well, to, to, to work alongside and create things. So they're not bad. But rather, he continues on, Abraham Joshua Heschel, he says, life goes wrong when the control of space, think things, the acquisition of things in space becomes our sole concern. Another rabbi said it this way, do not store up for yourselves treasures in in earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So today, in just the few minutes that we have together, I invite you to consider the posture of your heart. I invite you to consider what it means to store up treasures in heaven. We get storing up treasures on earth. 
But what does it mean to store up treasures in heaven? How do we do that? Let's pause for a moment. Just invite the Spirit to speak to us, to open our heart, our mind, whatever roadblock may be before us, and then I'll lead us in prayer. So let's pause. Spirit of God, we thank you for your presence. We thank you that you desire to minister to us. Lord, today in just these few minutes, God, may you challenge us, convict us, change us, or even cheer us. God, thank you for your love for us, that you don't leave us alone, that you um, have provided a way to life and life to the full both now and eternal. So Lord, we surrender this time to you. We open our hearts. We pray this all in Jesus' strong and powerful name. Amen. Now, this may be shocking to you, but I'm wearing a backpacking backpack. You probably didn't notice that, right? I I did. You did. Corey caught it. So Corey was the one that caught it here. So this backpack about a year ago, I've mentioned before, I went backpacking in Kentucky uh, for about four days, four or five days. And this is a pack that I carried, loaded with about 40 to 50 pounds of things that I needed. The trip was challenging as we hiked 20 to 25 miles that weekend. And I got to tell you, my favorite times of this trip was when this happened. That was the best, right? We would stop. We would set the pack down. We would finally look, really enjoy the scenery that was around us. And we would stop and we would, out of our pack, we would grab our water. We would grab food. We would grab whatever it may be that we needed. I mean, we had the food. We had the water. We had everything we needed right here on our back. Our gear was all there. But I love that stop of enjoying the water, enjoying the food, pulling out dry clothes as it was raining all weekend. That was miserable. Pulling out that sleeping bag and going to sleep like that. It's my favorite parts of that trip. But my personality is the type of saying, okay, we're starting here and we have to get here, so let's just go. Like I am all about just finishing, just pushing through, plugging along. Let's just get it done. And I wonder how often we walk through life like that. We just keep hiking. We've got, a scripture says, everything we need for a godly life on our back, going along. We've got all the supplies we need. Maybe as we're going along, we'll be like, I got some water back here somewhere, and we try to do this. But we just keep plugging along. We go, we go, and we go. And I thought about that weekend. If we never stopped, what would I look like on that Sunday when we did finally stop, if I made it to that Sunday? I'd be hungry, thirsty, sick. My skin on my body would be a mess because of my wet clothes. 
I'd be weak, maybe alive. But we, as we walk through life, we're surprised when we keep hiking along, not enjoying the things or embracing the things that God has given to us. And we're surprised when we feel busy or hurried or noisy or distracted or we have envy or confusion, greed or discontentment, worry, anger, sadness, anxiety. We have these things that rise up within us and we're surprised that this happens as we hike along in life. Think again of what the psalmist told us. Teach us to number our days that we would gain a heart of wisdom. Again, we just plug along thinking we just have to produce, we have to work, we have to move along, and that is numbering our days. i got to get as much done before I die. But I don't know if that's a heart of wisdom. Or in verse 17, may the favor of the Lord our God rest upon us, establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. I think there's a little bit of a difference when we come against this value of just work, 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 instead of saying, God, you have work for us. You have something for us to do. Establish the work of my hands. Help me understand what it means to number my days as you establish what you've called me to do every single day of our life. We're in the, the midst of the series, Healthy. And we've talked about a number of different ways of being healthy. But today I want us to consider, as Nick has already said, what it means to be healthy when it comes to rest. This doesn't mean a day off. This means rest. And in Scripture, God models rest, he commands rest, and he invites us to rest. First, he models rest. Genesis 2 says this, in the he- the, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing, so on the seventh day he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. So for six days he creates. The seventh day he rests. He's not taking a day off. He rests. And it's not because he was tired. It's because he valued the enjoyment of the work that he had done. See, there's something particular about this rest and this enjoyment. There's two words in that passage that are really intriguing to me. First, the word blessed. If we look at the early pages of Scripture, there's three things we see in the creation narrative that God blesses. First, it's the animal kingdom. And he tells them to be fruitful and multiply. The second thing he blesses is humanity. He says, be fruitful and multiply. The third thing he blesses is a day, time. And he says, be fruitful and multiply. He implies be fruitful and multiply. Like we get it with animals, we get it with humans of how to be fruitful and multiply. But how does this happen for time? How does this happen for a day? There's this blessing that's upon it. And we need to ask this question of what kind of life and health does God want to give through rest, through a day? And he also calls this day holy. And when we think of the word holy, we think of God. God is holy. Or maybe we even think of a space as holy, like a temple or a church or a mountain or whatever it may be. But a day? 
time is holy, is set apart. And this is the first mention of the word holy in Scripture, and this is radically significant to rabbis. They would grab onto this first mention of the word holy and say, this is really, really important. We need to focus on this. Why did God bless this day? Why did God call this holy? Well, Scripture says that he rested. He enjoyed this. To God, rest, he enjoys, and he calls us to work, establish the work of our hands. But he calls us to enjoy the things that have been created, people, life around us, to pause, to look, to rest, to enjoy. And just as it's blessed and it's holy, this day has an opportunity to give us life, to be fruitful in us and around us. Think of the words that Eugene Peterson wrote about rest. He said that uncluttered time and space in which we can distance ourselves from our own activities enough to see what God is doing. We can become so encompassed in what we're doing, even saying, this is the work of the Lord. I'm doing this for God. But Eugene Peterson says we need to just stop so we can see what God is doing, not just what we're doing. This going like, oh yeah, God, you've provided this water. You've provided this food, this sleeping bag, this rest. The average American lives somewhere around 79 years. Uh, it's interesting that the psalmist talks about 70, maybe 80 years, right in that time frame. Do you know how many years? of rest we would have if there was a day taken every single week? Works out to be 11 years of rest. Not days off, of rest. You can't tell me that when we look at ourselves and we see our busyness, our anxiousness, our fear, our anxiety, all these things that are on us, if we had 11 years of our life of rest and enjoyment, you can't tell me we would not be different. We wouldn't be different as human beings, that we wouldn't be different as followers of Jesus, that we wouldn't be different as spouses, as fathers, as mothers, as children, as whatever it may be. There's a radical change. And this is what Jesus was pointing to in John 10.10. 10. And he says that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and life to the full. See, God models this, but he also commands it. And this is where we get stuck. And I'm just going to warn you because you're going to start having alarms going off in your mind if you haven't done this already. There's a command of rest. And as you remember at the, the very beginning, I told you two things. Turn to Psalm 90, and then I said I, I keep nine of the Ten Commandments. You're probably going like, is he a murderer? What did he steal this week? The fourth commandment. One of the longest commandments in there. You look at it in your scriptures. It says this. It says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son nor your daughter nor your male or female servants nor your animals nor your foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. But he, rests, he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. And I love how this passage begins with the word, remember. Remember. 
God knew we would forget it. God knew we would ignore it. God knew we would argue about it. And he said, remember, remember. It is this gentle prodding. Remember. If you look at the other commandments, it's you must or you must not. It's like, remember. Remember this gift. Remember this. Now, I've noticed something. As I've started to talk a little bit about rest, and, and I, I said the word Sabbath, and we talk about this with people last month or two, and really starting to pray on this of what this looks like. These, this is what happens. This is what I get. Well, what day should you keep? How long does it have to be? Does it really need to be 24 hours? What can I do? What can I do? Am I causing others to do things? What is work? Does it have to be the same day every single week? Do, do, do we still need to keep this? Didn't Jesus do away with this? And there's this whole argument and questions, and these questions are important. But these questions come from a spot of the intellectual and the theological when I think God intended it to be a little bit deeper. These are important questions to wrestle with and pray over and study, but they're examples of missing the point God has for us. See, God, he invites us. Yes, it's modeled by God, it's commanded by God, but God invites us. He's inviting us in to rest. He's inviting us in to thrive, to flourish, to understand what it means to be human to be made in his image, to live in the presence of him. John Mark Comer wrote these words. He said, the creator God is inviting us to join him in this rhythm, this interplay of work and rest. And when we don't accept this invitation, we reap the consequences, fatigue, burnout, anxiety, depression, busyness, starved relationships, worn out immune systems, low energy levels, anger, tension, confusion, emptiness. These are, a sign, these are signs of a life without rest. But what if, what if God intended for us to have margin in our life? What if God intended slowness or quiet or deep relationships? At the same time, time alone, delight, enjoyment, Clarity, gratitude, contentment, trust, love, joy, peace. Working from a place of love, working from a place of contribution to glory to God and for the good of humanity around us. What if a passage like Matthew eleven twenty eight, where Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest, is not just when you have worked yourself into a point of a mess, but it is a rhythm of life. Come to me. Come to me. Make it frequent. Come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. St. Augustine, he said, our heart is restless until we find until it finds its rest in thee. This is the story of humanity. You're going to be restless. I'm going to be restless until we find rest in the creator God. Through Jesus Christ, his son, who offered a salvation 
Salvation away from this life of just producing. We think it's going to be restful when we get that house or we get that promotion or we get that vehicle or we get that second place or we get that one thing or this relationship does this or this or this. You're still going to be restless. You may have a moment of reprieve, of calm, of like, ah. And then you're like, oh, I got payments. Oh, I got to fix this thing. What does it mean for us who carry our backpacks, creating, producing, throwing things in it all the time? We're like, I will enjoy this someday. What does it mean for us to stop every once in a while? And go, and really enjoy whatever that is, to take that drink of water, to eat that food, to enjoy what we've, what we've worked for. What could this look like? We're going to come back to this topic a little bit later this summer. I'm going to dive in a little bit deeper. But for now, I want to, I want to invite you just to consider four different words. And these words, uh, Pete Scazzaro framed in these words. These are the four words. Stop, rest, delight, contemplate. What does it mean to stop? Don't go the legalistic way. Be like, oh, what day, 24 hours. You'll you'll get to that eventually. What does it mean just to stop? Just to say, I'm going to stop. That God is God and I'm not God that I don't have to always produce, that God has called me to enjoy, to find pleasure, to understand that the world will still be there tomorrow, even if I stop. To say, I am not a machine. I am a human being. To stop. And then to rest. And again, this is not a day off. This is about restoring and replenishing. This is about napping and hiking and biking and reading and eating great food and hobbies and play and whatever it is that creates pleasure within you. And so often we've just looked at Sabbath and be like, well, I just got to read my Bible for 24 hours straight. No. No. What brings life? God has given us the blessing of life, things to enjoy. What is it? For those of you that have grandkids or um, kids at home, just think about this. Is that, what if you said, hey, you know what? This day, it's going to be a day of play. We're just going to hang out. We're going to play all day long. We're going to do what we want and what we enjoy together as a family. I'm going to put my phone away. I'm going to put my work away. I'm just going to be present. There are very few kids, maybe teenagers might be the exception. There's very few kids that would say no to that. Say, please, please, because it gives them pleasure. Third thing is delight. This is, this is the thing, is to celebrate what's around us. This ties deeply into this rest that's just stopping. Delight. God, thank you for this. Is What is this pleasure? What is this enjoyment? We stop, we rest, we delight. And then we contemplate. It's God, thank you for this. God, I see you in this. 
Last night I was driving home from just a terribly difficult conversation with a family. I'm going through just a, a, a tough time here. And, and I'm driving and I'm just processing and I'm praying. And, and I, I come around the corner and, and I look up and I just see just beautiful clouds in the sky and the sunlight just breaking through the clouds. And so I parked my car and I walked out in the field and I just stood there. That day, yesterday, in the situations that folded, it unfolded this where it allowed me to be aware of what was around me instead of just like, I got to get home, I got to do this, I got to do this. I, I was reflecting on God and what God could be doing. God's like, hey, just pause and contemplate me. See me. Recognize the things around you that are going on. Focus on God's love. Focus on God in your life. Notice the grandeur of God. Chris, you're not a machine. You're human. You're made in my image. Just rest in me. There's a passage in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 11. And it says this. It says, let, let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following the example of their disobedience. And what the author of Hebrews is saying here is he's pointing towards this eternal rest. He's pointing towards this eternal view. And what he's talking about is he's painting this picture of the ultimate Sabbath rest. This is what a lot of Christians argue. If I don't need to stop now, I'm going to rest eternal. That's the Sabbath rest. Jesus came and he said he was the Lord of the Sabbath. And we're called to, to make every effort to enter that rest, not just someday, but now. It's like the Lord's Prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's not about waiting, but it's about now. We have the opportunity to pause and rest and have a bit of the eternal rest here and now. That stopping, that resting, that delighting, that contemplating God. Why would we give that up? Why do I give that up? Why do I just produce and push along? Why? See, it's both now and eternal. See, Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus is rest. Jesus is salvation. See, we can talk about this. And if you don't know Jesus, you could just take a day off. That's not the point here. As followers of Christ, we're, we're called to lean into Jesus, to rest in the salvation that he's given to us. Not that we would enjoy it someday, but rather we would enjoy it now. We would trust God now. He's calling all of us into this rest now and eternal. I think of a picture painted in Revelation 22, a picture of rest where it says, Then the angel showed me a river of the water of life, as clear as a crystal flowing from the throne of God and the lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood a tree of life bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse the throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of the lamp nor the light of the sun. For the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. And the angel said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. The Lord, the, the God who inspires the prophet sent his angel to show his servants these things that must soon take place. This is a place of peace of rest, of enjoyment, of fulfillment. There's no more night. There's no more pain. There's no more sin. 
That's the eternal. The now is the rest we enter into in the Sabbath rest. So again, I invite you to contemplate what that means as a follower of Jesus. To wrestle with why, do you, why have we pushed it away or why have we just plugged and, and just pushed through it? What would that mean to have this rest, to have this taste of what God intends for us eternal now? And for anyone here, anyone at home that does not know Jesus, you've not entered into that rest of salvation, I ask that you would consider that too. To set down the backpack. To rest in him. And so I invite us to prayer. Father God, we thank you for the gift of rest. We thank you that you have modeled it, you've commanded it, and you invite us to it. Jesus, I pray that you would speak to each person here of what that means. How you want to work in each person and through each person. Lord, draw us closer to you, to your heart of what you intended, this fullness of life, that we would walk away of what the enemy intends to steal, kill, and destroy. We would walk in this rest that you call us to. And Jesus, for anyone here, anyone at home who's never surrendered their life to Jesus, pray that your spirit would work in hearts and minds Lord, for that person, those people, God, that they today would just surrender their life to you, would begin a walk with you, Lord, would make a commitment their life, recognizing the fact that we've all sinned, we've all fallen short of you. Confess that to you at this time. We've all sinned, we've all fallen short. I've sinned, I've fallen short. And also to confess, to recognize the fact that Jesus, you died on the cross to take that sin, but inviting us to a place of rest. So this, if this is you, that you would just say, Jesus, I need you. I confess my sin. Lord, thank you that you take my sin upon you. God, I want to begin this walk with you, of following you, of knowing you, knowing what it means to, to be your follower. And so, Lord Jesus, today, God, I thank you that you are my Savior, you are my Lord. God, thank you for the work that you're beginning in me in this day. Lord, for each one of us who fully admit we keep nine of the Ten Commandments. Jesus, we confess that. And God, in this moment, we desire to walk with you, understanding what it means to find rest in you. So Jesus, I thank you for the work you're doing in us. God, for the health that you desire for us, both now and eternal. Lord, may we be a people who walk in this salvation and we share it with those around us as well sharing the goodness of Jesus. 
So Lord, we pray and speak your blessing over this congregation. Lord, as we go back into the places that you have called us to, to be your witnesses. We pray this in Jesus' strong and powerful name. Amen. Thank you.